Hello and welcome to Leader Talk with Fintan Duffy. On our podcast this week, will the government's gamble on the banks pay off and will NAMA really result in credit for small business? Also on the agenda this week, the church's response to the clerical abuse scandal, the meaning of Easter and Deputy Peter Kelly lends his support to our embattled Taoiseach. Joining me to discuss those topics and lots more are Father Joe McGrath, chaplain at St. Mel's College in Longford, the chief executive of Longford County Enterprise Board, Mickey Nevin, and the editor of the Longford Leader, Sheila Riley. Okay, we'll start uh, this week by taking a look at the big story of the week. And uh, Mickey Nevin, we might go to you first with this. The, ba- the banks have finally uh, been moved on in terms of NAMA and taking all of those toxic loans into NAMA. Uh, is that going to give us what we really feel we need, and that's access to credit, access to money for businesses? Yeah, well, I suppose, Fenton, the big thing to say is that the figures are, are, are truly shocking and the, the haircut that the, the banks have had to take is, is frightening. You know, the, the, the sheer scale of the figures is frightening. But I suppose at the end of the day, it's important that they kind of do address the problem because the big problem for small businesses, the, the clients that we deal with the Enterprise Board, is a lack of credit facility from the bank. Uh, anecdotally, we've heard several stories where uh, small businesses are being refused access to credit or their overdrafts are being squeezed. And it's very difficult to operate on a day-to-day basis uh, with, with, with your working capital position being squeezed. So we would hope that the situation is going to improve I would be sceptical enough myself that the situation will improve in the short term because it seems to me there's a big hole in, in the bank's capital that needs to be filled and that's their priority is to fill that hole before they kind of uh, look after the needs of the small business sector. But from our perspective, we, can, we can't see anything moving locally or regionally or nationally unless the banks open up access to credit lines. What, what is the scene uh, locally in, in County Longford? How hard is it to sell... Uh, enterprise to sell new businesses in, in, in this county? It's very, very difficult at the moment. Uh, we would say the, the county, I suppose the country, but particularly from my perspective, the county seems to be in a dormant state at the moment. You know, We have two banks of clients. We have one, one half our clients seem to be doing reasonably well. They have a fairly full order book, uh, pipeline of projects. And then the other half of our clients are really, really struggling. Uh, and what they're telling us is that they're struggling to get paid they're struggling in dealing with their bank and uh, they're struggling getting, as we say, access to credit. Um, and realistically, they're only hanging in there. And if the situation doesn't improve for them in the near future, you'd be, you'd be seriously concerned for them. It has been claimed that th- this lack of access to credit has put good businesses out of operation. Is that your experience in Longford? Well, access to credit but we one, would be one of the factors. Obviously, it's kind of a vicious circle out there where businesses are struggling to get paid is kind of one of the things. You know, In terms of working capital management, not having cash to meet your overheads at the end of the week if you're not getting paid for 30 or 60 or 90 days. Uh, but obviously, if you're not getting paid for 90 days, where do you turn to? In, in the past, you turn to your bank to get your overdraft limit increased. But unfortunately, what we're being told is that facility is not, is not being made available to businesses now. So they're struggling. So you could have profitable businesses who are simply running out of cash. Mm. And that's a shameful scenario. Uh, Sheila Riley, um, the numbers that we're talking about here, about uh, the, the whole NAMA process and the, the, the way the state is investing now in our banks, 
this is a generational thing. Uh, we'll be long gone before this bill is paid. Absolutely. Um, you could be looking at a couple of generations of people before this, uh, before the state is actually cleared out of the banks, if you like. And I think that's the frightening thing for a lot of people. And it, as Michael said, the money that we're talking about spending is is also terribly frightening. You're over twenty billion at this stage. Like it just seems terrifying to us that we're get, that the state is giving this money across to the banks. But then also. Um, you have to say when, as you say, when are we going to be out of it? And you're just talking about years and years away. Like I mean, it's it's hard to know. Like, will we always have a case now where the state will have a stake in uh, all Irish banks? I mean, is that is that where we're at? It's incredible to think. Mm. Uh, Father Joe McGrath, um, can you get your head around all these billions that we're talking about? We used to do millions in this country, but now it's billions. I suppose, from my perspective. I mean, the statistics are one thing, and I'm not an economist, and I'm not a banker, and I'm not an accountant, but from a, a day-to-day perspective, it's when you see it um, around the county, around the town, whatever. My understanding is that, say, the, the wealthier have lost money on paper, and they're now gone from, say, $4 billion or $4 million to $2 million, or their wealth has been a paper loss. But when you go around the town, or, for example, in the college, or maybe children going to national school, or you visit old people, and they're struggling to meet day-to-day needs like things like food and electricity and medical bills and dentist bills and uniforms and school books and that's where you really see it or where we really see it on a day-to-day level that people are struggling that unemployment is on the increase that families are under pressure that mortgages are uh, have to be paid and um, the stress is building on people and it's taking its toll on their personal health it's taking its toll on family life it's taking its toll on uh, I suppose the general well-being the communal aspect of and relationships in in those families Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and that's where we see it. I mean, I, I'm not an expert and I don't understand much about what I read in the papers, but I do feel that when it comes down to day-to-day living, you can see it etched on people's faces, the struggle and the fear and where we're going to get the next payment and how we're going to get money to bring uh, such and such a child to a doctor or something like this. And ordinary, everyday things that were people could just about manage are now just beyond their control. And uh, it's it's... It's, it's fear. It's, it's very, very frightening. Just to wrap up on this one, um, Mickey Nevin, will we see, uh, is there the prospect of either people going out of business in this county because of this particular situation, even though we have a, a so-called solution announced this week? Um, and on another point, just on that, is there any chance we're going to get new business? Is there any anyone brave enough and w- with the cash on the hip to go and invest in Longford right now? I suppose on the first point, and to take up for Joe's point there, in terms of the stress that we would see a lot of our clients under particular stress, and um, I suppose they're, they're under stress to try and keep businesses open. A lot of our businesses, local indigenous enterprises, are second generation, third generation, and they've been through tough times before, but it, it seems to be particularly tough this time around, and it's putting uh, owner managers under particular stresses. Um, Having said that, they're trying to keep the doors open. They're doing everything they can to keep the doors open. They've trimmed their cost base as much as they can. They're they're taking as much pressure as they can upon themselves. It's not nice to see it at times, but they're doing their best for for themselves and their families by trying to keep those businesses alive. Um, in terms of new business, I suppose it's a matter of confidence. You know, we won't see new investment until some sort of confidence returns to the the, the general economy. You know, people haven't the confidence if people have access to finance and in many cases it's difficult to get as we said it's difficult to get access to finance but if they have access to finance you still need to overcome that kind of confidence barrier there has to be a return a, a general return in confidence uh, in the in the broader economy it will stimulate a kind of a demand and be a demand-led maybe recovery that we need people say that 
there is money out there still that mm. people have money but they're not spending it because they're not confident about the future we need some sort of we need someone to uh, to to give these people confidence uh, whether it's political or whatever way we can do that that might encourage them to spend it might, it might stimulate that kind of demand and then perhaps you might see further investment okay uh, let's talk for a minute about um, leadership and let's talk about one man's leadership that has been questioned um, in recent times and Sheila Riley um, the, the Taoiseach is getting the backing of his uh, local deputy here uh, in Longford Westmeath uh, this week uh, in the Longford Leader because there was many questions raised about Brian Cowan's ability to lead the country and lead Fianna Fáil uh, in recent times but he has uh, he's been shored up by the support of one Peter Kelly he has indeed and Basically, uh, well, Peter Kelly this week hit out at uh, John McGuinness, who, as you know, had been had taken the cheat up the task, to say the least. And Kelly said in the leader this week that of John McGuinness, he's been whinging and moaning for the last 20 years, and in my opinion, he will never change. There are other people who didn't get junior minister positions. He's not the only one, but this is no time for disruption. It's time for confidence, and people can deal with the issues at hand. And if John McGuinness had got the job, there wouldn't be a word out of him. That's it. And there wouldn't from, be a word out of Peter either. There wouldn't be a word out of Peter, is right. <laughs> so, um, uh, Father Joe, are you inspired by our, our national leader? Are you, are, is he, uh, uh, does he have the Obama factor for you? I don't know if any political party at the moment could drag us out of the situation that we're in. I mean, most political parties, to me, seem to be a kind of of an ilk, just maybe the shade uh, of, their, of their individual colours is slightly different. But most political parties seem to be kind of more or less uh, promoting the same policies, the same ideas. I don't know. I mean, you know, if Fine Gael, if there was a different coalition in there in place at the moment, would they be any different? Would they be able to drag us out of the, the mess that we're in? Um, it's very interesting for me to, to, to hear Michael talking about the, the situation in Longford and trying to inspire enterprise. And I think that's what it is. I think the time has come for every one of us, in no matter what field we're in, whether you're in schools, whether you're in hospitals, whether you're in business, whether you're in community service, when you're in education, whether you're in the church, the time has come for all of us to stand up to the plate. And now is the time to be counted. So we shouldn't be looking to, to guys like Brian Cowan for inspiration. We need to find it in, so. within ourselves. I think, so. I, I think so. I think he can do so much. He can create the atmosphere and he can do so much to try and and keep the whole thing uh, tipping sweetly along but at the end of the day I think you know and Michael was saying it here that really we really have to take ownership for ourselves of our our own situations our own town our own uh, economy our own local economy uh, in every aspect Mm. you know both as families as schools as parishes as businesses as communities as as GAs we all have to step up to the plate now we all have to um, I, I suppose be counted now, now. Now is the hour when we all must stand up and be counted and do whatever we can. And maybe it'll be seen, and maybe we'll be acknowledged, and maybe we'll get praise for it. Or maybe we won't. Maybe it'll be unseen. Maybe it'll be behind the scenes. But somewhere down the line, it might just bear fruit and uh, drag right. us through. You know, Mickey Nevin, your house is uh, no stranger to politics. Uh, what did you make of all the the, the racket about uh, whether Cowan is the man or not? I work for a government agency. I'd be loath to criticise uh, <laughs> the, the leader of the government. But I'd, I'd say a couple of a couple of points on it, though. The one is that I think some sort of economic stimulus for uh, or stimuli for small businesses needed in terms of helping them sustain jobs or or, or encourage further investment in, in local enterprises. And the second point is a follow up from 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 Joe. There is that. Uh, we need to, I think the media have a role in this, but we need to kind of promote enterprise more locally. We need to celebrate enterprise. We need to encourage enterprise. And I know 
in fairness to Sheila, the Longford leader have a, a business page every week. You know, and it's that type of thing, that type of profile we need to develop. You know, we, we celebrate our success in sport and our Gaelic teams and soccer teams, but you know, do we celebrate it when a local company wins a one million euro contract? Or, you know, which is creating jobs or sustaining jobs, and that type of thing. We need to be more. We need more. Be more proactive about promoting the concept of enterprise, trying to foster a culture of enterprise, trying to encourage young people to think about enterprise and self-employment as career options. That type of and and not looking at business failure as you know as uh, not being cynical about business failure but you know if people try and fail and learn from it and then want to succeed again like the, uh, many in america the a successful business person has failed four or five times before there was success on average mm. and that type of philosophy is what we need to develop so we might be a bit too quick to nail the failure Absolutely. badge onto We're somebody and say that's far it. too cynical about some person who has tried and failed yeah. and we need to say look fair play to them for trying and failing our job as a support agency is to help them learn from that experience and maybe they'll be more successful the next time. But the whole thing is about fostering a culture of enterprise and that's what we need to be doing. All right, I want to re- return to uh, the pages of the Longford Leader for our, our, our next um, item. And Sheila, we have uh, 100,000 euro houses in Battery Court for sale. Yeah, I mean, whether or not this is the start of um, of, a, of a turn for the property market in Longford, I suppose, remains to be seen. But Battery Court would have been one of the most high-profile um, developments in the town um, in recent years. And as we know, it, it didn't work out, I suppose, is one way to put it. Um, a number of the houses were sold in it, and then and then the, the development went into receivership, and it was... Um, Ray McDwyer in Cavan is the receiver and Don Crotting in, in Cavan is the auctioneer now who's selling the property and they've turned it around. Um, they've spent a number of months working on it, I believe, repairing and revamping the estate and they've announced that they're launching it at the end of the month for €100,000 for a three-bed semi-detached house in Battery Court. €100,000. Yes. What was the starting price with that? I think it was somewhere two something to... Yeah, you're in the region of that, yeah. Two, over 200000 Wow. Yeah, at the time. Uh, so it's a huge haircut there, if you like, to use the catchword of the week. Um, and you can't imagine if the apartments in Mullingar caused such a stir last weekend at €70,000, yeah. one would have to wonder what Battery Cord could could do at €100,000. I know it's a starting price, but still, um, they would be fantastic quality houses in a great location in the middle of the town. I'm not selling them, but yep. you'd have to say realistically. So whether it's the start of something, you know, whether... We'll see something coming out of this further, you know, that uh, that it might actually lead to a few more people mm. kind of biting the bullet and saying, right, we'll come back with these and see what's there. I don't know. Yeah. Mickey, w- w- would you agree that around 100 grand for a three-bed house in Longford is about reality? Well, I suppose to say the market finds its own level. You know, I think it's 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 worrying that if you can buy a three-bedroom house, you think of the people that have bought them for two and three hundred thousand. You know, in 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 previous years, and now they're looking at similar type property being valued at a hundred thousand in Longford you know I suppose everyone has an opinion what should happen to these kind of ghost estates you know some people argue that a lot of them should be returned to kind of greenfield sites and try and concentrate on on a few rather than trying to service and develop uh, the many and um, I don't know uh, uh, my concern would be for young people and young families that are trapped in kind of negative equity you know it's a great opportunity for people come on to ladder now to get a property for a reasonable a reasonable amount of money but if they can get the mortgage if they can get the mortgage of course but for people who who have who have bought in houses at 3 and 400,000 and now they're sitting on on, on negative equity of 50 or 60% you, you know you worry for people like that and the pressure they must be under mm. father joe it's like i suppose again 
the, the, the economics and the figures and the statistics of it, I'm, I wouldn't be just that 100% sure about. But to me, the, I mean, Mickey's point about negative equity, mm-hmm. that's just frightening where a young couple, maybe again with, with children of school-going age who are totally dependent on them, they find themselves under enormous pressure trying to repay mortgage mortgage repayments uh, on, on a regular basis. And like the effect that that has on marriage, the effect that that has on family relationships, the effect that has on mental and But can you imagine, for, for example, if, if you were living next door and you right. paid 250 and then next thing, here comes Joe Bloggs, yeah. and he's in for a hundred grand. Yeah, and you're in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is frightening. It is. Uh, yeah. And then you have to say as well, we are in a week here where we've seen the banks and the bailout they've gotten, you know, mm. and yet there are people out there who will never get a bailout from the bank, and they didn't overextend themselves or you know go out and try and develop the field at the back of the house and build 40 houses on it you know they just went out and bought a house themselves and at the time that house cost them 300,000 or um, a lot of houses around here would have cost that so like you do have to say there is an element of you know unfairness at the very least in the fact that there's there's no bailout for them Mm -hmm. you know there is a bailout for the banks who happily shoveled this money out to people even though they knew that they would never be able to pay it back or that they wouldn't always be in a position to pay it back they would have had to have known that and at the same t- or figured it out and at the same time we're turning around now as a country and we're bailing these banks out there's nothing for a person for people on an individual level though yeah this generation and several other generations are bailing out uh, the banks i want to turn to the time of year uh, that's in it and uh, father joe you're the man for this one uh, easter um, here we go. Here we go. Um, we'll, we'll come on to the, the whole idea of uh, the, the ceremonies and the, 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 I suppose, what this means to people. But um, the, the company you work for and your boss and your ultimate boss in Rome have had one hell of a damaging six months. Mm, it's been incredible. It's been extraordinary to, 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 to stand back and to... But to be part of it and to be shoulder to shoulder with these men, and uh, this is part of the church to which I joined, and to uh, to to see allegation and allegation, and suddenly uh, something more um, terrible unfolding as 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 the weeks pass, and now we come to uh, you know six months down the line, and I suppose many people are wondering, brother priests, and many people are wondering, is this the end, or is there something else? Is there something waiting around the corner? Is there some other major upset brewing under the surface, being held just under the surface, and it's going to explode, you know, days, weeks, months down the line again? Um, I think myself, no more than the, 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 the financial state of the country, for many of us priests, and for many of people of my age group and younger, uh, our life in the church is going to be lived under this shadow. And we're going to, for the next two, three decades, we're going to live under the legacy of what has happened over the last 30, 40, 50 years. And it's going to be in some way trying to um, learn from the past, uh, be more honest in the future, and to somehow begin to recreate a church that's Mm -hmm. far more human, uh, far more honest with itself, uh, far more communal based. I was talking to someone last night and... Uh, they were making the point very strongly to me, really, really putting it very strongly, that the church, you know, and she was referring to the church, I suppose, as leadership, that the church leadership really must listen to the people. It must be now, you listen to what people are saying, you listen to how 
uh, you know, people are talking, you listen to uh, to what they're, you know, how they're living with their feet, voting with their feet, so to speak. You know, what are people... But are they, are they voting? Are, are people not... Are they, are, are, are they so. not coming to... to I think so. I really, think so. yeah? I think so, yeah. For example, I mean, traditionally this time of year, the two times of year, for example, when uh, people make an individual confession or go for the Sacrament of Reconciliation, traditionally, I suppose, it's always been Christmas and Easter. Uh, now this year, personally, my personal experience is that there's been a major fall off in the amount of people who would um, be coming to celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation, individual confession. And I don't know, there are many reasons for that. The weather this week, for example, has been just horrendous, and maybe that's part of it, and I've no doubt that that's an issue. But I also think myself that, I mean, and, and no one has said this to me, but I imagine myself that people are saying, well, why should I go and confess my sins to, you know, or my wrongdoing or my guilt to a priest who, you know, who is part of a, a, an institution, who is part of a community that have, are responsible for horrendous suffering in the world? And, you know, surely it's between me and God. If I have a problem or if I've done something wrong or if I've stepped out of line, it's an issue between me and God and I can be reconciled mm. with my God without going to do you so. is part of the frustration and and f- especially for for priests like yourself who are uh, you know working locally uh, you're, you're I suppose delivering the the contract that uh, Rome rolls out you're delivering that on the front line all the time mm. do you get frustrated and fed up by the fact that they just can't bring themselves to a point where they finally get it where they f- where it finally the penny drops or it looks as if the penny has dropped with them the letter, the pastor letter, the last few weeks. So there are kind of two trains I've talked about. One from, from from the pastor letter from Benedict, direct from the Holy See, a historical document in many ways, directly to the to the Irish Church, to all people in the Irish Church, all the the, the different groups who make up the Irish Church. The pastor letter. Some people think that it was um, very honest, very open, a major step forward in trying to bring the Irish Church into uh, some kind of uh, new identity as it, as it moves on. Other people said it fell way short. That the still the definitive. What do you think? Um, I felt it was very hard hitting. Um, I I I I was in in two or three different parishes last Sunday reading the letter. We were all given a kind of a summary of the letter, and I remember just before I went out to read one of the read the summary, and the very first time I was due to read it, uh, another priest was saying to me, "You know, have you read through it?" And I said, "Yeah," and you're okay with it. And I said, "I think so." Yeah. He said, "He said, take your time. It's going to be difficult to read it." So I thought I was kind of wondering what he was talking about. I mean, why? Why is he saying that? Anyway, came to the gospel at the Mass, read the gospel. This is the gospel of the Lord. Then introduced the letter. Pope Benedict has written to the Irish Church. This is a summary of the contents, and I'd like to read it for you now. And I started off through the letter, and I was going grand. And it was very objective, trying to be as objective as possible, just reading the text exactly as it was given to us. But the more I got down through it then, particularly the bits that referred directly to the clergy and directly to the clergy who abused children, those bits were particularly hard to read, very hard hidden. And I found myself, you know, pausing, take your time, uh, slow down here, and very deliberately come on to the next sentence. Because the, it, it was so, so um, pointed, I suppose, mm. uh, some of the things he said. So in that sense, I think it was. I think it was, um, I think it certainly did, in some respects, address some of the key issues uh, that were involved. All right, um, I just want to bring Sheila yeah. in here at, at this stage. You wrote an editorial uh, for the, the leader in relation to this, uh, this very issue. Uh, could you just give us the, the, I suppose, the main point of what you were trying to say there? Well, what I said was, I, the letter was a positive step, a step, but it's only a step. You know, in the beginning, what well, has to be an incredibly long journey for the church to try and come back 
from where it is now, from where it has found itself now. Um, and I do think, and I've said this as well in the paper, that part of that would be for, I do believe that Cardinal Sean Brady should have resigned and that he should actually go, um, simply because I think it's, if, if only to show that the church are taking this matter incredibly serious. I think what we're seeing now, and then we've seen in the last week, is that there's been moves to, in some way, like distance, the, for, for Rome to distance themselves from Cardinal Brady. And I think that's very unfortunate because what you're seeing now is sort of the beginning of the end of of his career, if you like, as such, unless he decides to stick in there and just not offer his resignation. But you'd, you'd imagine there seems now to be a pressure coming on him to resign. And I think it's unfortunate if Rome would try and use this as a way of use him as a scapegoat and use Ireland as a way of uh, the Irish situation as, as a way of maybe distance themselves from what has gone on and of course Pope Benedict has a lot of his own troubles if you like in relation to what's going on in the German church so the, the main thing I would feel from here on in is I think Father Joe mentioned there about um, a communal church or a community and I think that really a lot of it has to come back down to the people and I would like I think that there should be a lot more involvement with lay people and I think really this is the time now for the church to take this opportunity uh, to change their internal structures totally and utterly and to bring a lot more lay people and to maybe for once and for all finally consider women priests when they're at it. Oh, women priests will come back. Maybe that's for another day. Uh, Mickey Nevin, did you ever think you'd see the day when um, the church that in, in this country that you grew up in and I grew up in that had such a high standing is now getting the same treatment as maybe the politicians got and that the, the bankers have got and the elite in society have got? It seems that people are just chipping and chipping away and probably they're doing themselves no, no favours anyway in how they're handling it. I never did think I'd see the day Fintan is right and I suppose I feel genuinely sorry for, for members of the clergy like Joe here kind of bearing the brunt of you know the, the, the sins of others you know I suppose when we spoke about the banks earlier and we talk about the church now there's some parallel there and that I think there's a lot to be said for trying to nip these problems in the bud quickly I think the longer you let issues drag on they seem to fester and they seem to grow legs and they seem to people seem to be more, more entrenched on the different sides and I think um, I think we need some leadership from the top in terms of in terms of the top from the clergy from that perspective in terms of saying look we we might be prepared to sacrifice our careers if it kind of if it if it kind of offers some redress to the victims and the people who feel that they've they've, they've, they've suffered in the past because of actions of members of members of our community. Um, I don't know. It just seems it seems a shame, you know. You you talking to people, they are being turned away from the church, you know, which is which is a shame because one of the the communities we have that kind of offers kind of a sense of value and purpose, and it'd be a shame if people used were able, to, you know, were, were turned away from the church over, over all this, you know. Just to wrap up on this, uh, Father Joe, the um, the time of year we're in now, uh, it's time to reflect. It's time to. I suppose uh, look forward with a with a bit of common purpose and a bit of positivity is uh, that something you think the church itself needs to do is just to stand back and take a good look at itself now. Yeah, and maybe I take this opportunity to uh, go get back again to to the the, the Triduum, particularly the Easter ceremonies, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. That that, that three days that are obviously the most sacred days in the life of the church. Uh, they're very ancient ceremonies, and if you strip it back to the very basics. 
many of them are metaphorically very strong uh, about where the church is right now. I was just talking to someone earlier on uh, during the week there. We had a Father Michael Drum. He's of national importance. He was um, president of Matter Day for years. He came down to talk to the priests of the diocese about the uh, the state of the Irish church, and uh, he likened it to the good to the Easter Sunday story. And he, one point he made, which really struck out in my mind, the women, the first to see the risen Christ were women. Uh, and he made that point very strongly, that uh, here were the women who had stood by Jesus through his his passion. They were the ones at the foot of the cross. They were the ones who were at the tomb. And the conversation that they had on the way down to the tomb was, how are we going to move the stone? How are we going to get the stone away? How are we going to negotiate this massive obstacle that's in front of us? And this was the, what their conversation in the scripture on the way down. When they got to the tomb, the stone was moved away. It goes into the passive voice. And Michael Drum was making the point that for many of us, you know, we have to somehow uh, put our trust in the providence of God, the hand of God, the goodness of God, the power of the Spirit, that these massive obstacles we see in our way, these massive issues that are closing off new life and that are stifling the life of the church and choking the life of the church, that somehow, by the grace of God, somehow they'll give way and they'll be moved. These issues will be moved. The stones will be rolled away and the church will somehow come to new life in the, please God, in the, the months and years ahead. Um, so so is, th- that, is that our metaphor then yeah, for I not think only so. the church but yeah. also the economy? Then yeah, I we think have so. to start moving all these so. stones yeah. and obstacles. Is that, that it? somehow metaphorically... That, that, that somehow these massive obstacles that people see in their way, in every way, I mean, I, you know, I, I take it as well, the, the economical obstacles, the social obstacles, the cultural obstacles, the, uh, the employment obstacles, the, uh, the ecclesial obstacles that are in our way at the moment, that somehow these will be moved away and we'll begin to look to a brighter, uh, you know, more hopeful future for all of us. And on that inspiring and uplifting uh, seasonal note, we leave it there. Father uh, Joe McGrath, also to Mickey Nevin and Sheila Riley. Thanks for being with us today. Well, that's Leader Talk for this week. Don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch with us here, you can email us at leadertalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until April 16th, from Finton Duffy, it's bye-bye.